At 3.30 p.m. on September 16, 2010, Brandon Smith left home, bound for his shift at the Upton office of the National Weather Service. At about 4 p.m., Aline and Billy Lavakis climbed into their Lexus and left their home, going to visit relatives. At 4.30 p.m., I was working at my desk in downtown Brooklyn and getting ready to walk the dog. I was right in the middle of something difficult, so I put off the walk until later. Smith arrived at the station, an unprepossessing beige cookie-cutter building on the sprawling Pine Barren grounds of Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island. The building is wedged into a cut-out space in a pine forest, but it would fit as well into a mall. It has few windows, and these are high above the heads of those working inside. The old joke about weather forecasters not looking out the window, then, is at least half true. You can look out the window all right, but all you can see are pine branches or sky. Still, the weather forecasters do not want for data. Forecasters at Upton sit in front of a three-headed workstation. Three large flat-panel monitors face them, at center and to the left and right. Each of these screens can be divided into four segments. With a few keystrokes, the forecasters can of models that predict what the weather might be. They can also call up any and all data from weather satellites, not to mention Upton's own radar or the radar from Newark, LaGuardia, or Kennedy Airport. Since the airport radars refresh every minute, while the in-house radar updates information only every seven minutes, they get not only different pictures of the air, but also fresher ones. They can also call up any other data, including the results of weather balloon launches anywhere in the world and the reports from aircraft and ships at sea. On September 16th, Smith was to go on duty at 4 p.m. It was a humid day in early autumn, with the temperature in the high 70s. He knew there might be afternoon thunderstorms, but nothing big was on the horizon. The off-going shift of forecasters briefed the incoming shift on what they had been seeing. Out west in Pennsylvania, they saw what might be the beginning of big thunderstorms. One forecaster said that he had detected possible rotation in one of them. If warm air rises quickly and spins at the same time, a vortex may develop, and if the spin persists and propagates, both low and aloft, you may get a tornado. A tornado in New York? Not likely, but not impossible, either. Smith sat down at his workstation and started querying the weather models, complex computer simulations of the atmosphere. Were the conditions right for the thunderstorms to become severe? Was rotation possible? Most global models work on too broad a grid to detect small-scale things like thunderstorms, but by looking at the finer grids of the North American mesoscale, NAM, model, he might get an idea of the potential for enough upwelling warm air to form a major squall line. He had not been sitting more than a few minutes when he abandoned the models. The squall line, or as acronym-loving weather people call it, a QLCS, or quasi-linear convective system, was emphatically holding together. As it crossed northern New Jersey, the radar showed increasingly frequent lightning strikes, represented as white streaks on the screen. From one or two scattered across the screen, the streaks had multiplied, like the arrival of a flock of starlings, until they were practically obscuring the colored images of the moving clouds. 
He called up the SKU-T diagram with the latest data gathered from planes taking off and landing at Newark Airport. A SKU-T chart shows how temperature and wind vary as the aircraft ascends or descends through the atmosphere. This report had been taken at about 3.40 p.m. Not absolutely fresh data, but a real picture of what had been happening in the air. Smith noticed two things. First, the temperature line showed a steady and rather steep decline from the surface of the earth well aloft into the upper air. A parcel of warm air will keep rising until it cools to the temperature of the air it meets aloft. There it will condense and rain might fall. If the air aloft is much colder than the surface air, the warm, moist ball of surface air can rise fast and far, carrying its load of wetness with it. Second, the spread between temperature and dew point indicated a lot of water in the air, better than an inch and a half of possible rain. Big thunderstorms were likely.